You're listening to Sunday Night Unknowns on WUEC 89.7 Blue Gold Radio Sunday. This is Katie. And Briella. Let's get started. Okay, so the concept of Sunday Night Unknowns, the show, is going to be talking about the different horror media. So like horror movies, horror video games, horror creepypastas, and then definitely urban legends, stuff, the topics that we're going to be covering here on this podcast. And this first episode is going to be about Slenderman. I thought we could start off with this first episode, that one, just because he's very well known in the eyes of social media when it comes to the holiday Halloween and the recent, or not the recent events, but the events that happened here in Wisconsin, actually, with the Slenderman stabbings. He's also an icon on Creepypasta, a big figure in it, mm-hmm. the entire fandom. Yeah, because he's, like, the one that recruited all of these other Creepypastas into his little proxy gang, I believe. I'm not entirely sure what the cult is actually called. And then called. popular YouTubers like Markiplier played mm-hmm. Slenderman, maybe not for a long, for, like, a long time, but he has in his older videos. Yes. Even like going into the history of apparently there have been drawings in different cave systems of the Slender Man actually existing in an urban legend. So he's actually the character has actually existed for a very, very long time, but the stories haven't started up in the media until around like twenty tens. And moving on we're going to be reading the story of Slenderman to give you a piece of cake of what he's like. And the story is made by the doctor on the official website, Creepypasta. The cat walked slowly across the concrete, pausing to lick its paw in the middle. It sat there in the moonlight, just watching the skies and the heavy rain. The clouds swirled, and the night was young. Perhaps it could find a confused mouse or drowned frog in this time. Its tail moved with anticipation of its hunt. A chain-link gate swung open with surprising speed, startling the cat, resulting in a hissy fit. The man who opened it carried no thought of the terrible weather, cat, or of anything else he was up against. Yelling in obscenity, he ran as fast as he could through the opening. That thing wasn't getting him. No way. He sprinted through the gate and into the alleyway. He didn't know why, and he didn't know how, but something was following him. His first inclination was when he kept seeing this menacing figure at every turn. No matter where he went, he kept seeing it. He had thought it might have been a person following him at first, but that had quickly changed when he saw the height and the shape of the being. Great! A fork in the alley. Mark sped towards the right, not because of any good feeling, but because he knew whatever it was would catch up no matter which way he went. The figure always seemed to be two steps ahead of him. Every time he turned around, he was there, silent as the night, just watching him. He could never make out its features in the rain as it blurred his vision. He could tell it was tall and seemed to have black and white skin with the black covering the legs and the torso. He had figured since it didn't move when it was being watched, he could look at it and just keep it frozen. It worked, but when he stared at it, He felt sick, like something was crawling its way out of him. His worst memories resurfaced in his brain. Among them, an embarrassing date, a lost pet, his sister's funeral. He had turned away and crawled for a few seconds until he could stand up again. Then he ran far from the creature, the thing that, like his memories, could not seem to escape. Suddenly, Mark slipped on a giant puddle, interrupting his thoughts. Immediately, his jeans and hoodie became soaked on contact. Picking himself up from the water, the feeling to look back was too great. 
He turned around. There it stood, as real and frightening as ever. What really startled him was that it was closer because of his tumble, only a mere 20 feet away. Trying not to scream, in case that triggered a reaction from the creature, he spun around and ran. The rabbit may know not of the fox, but it will sense danger when it presents itself. This was not unlike the feeling he felt right now. He didn't know what it was or why it wanted him, but he felt in his genetic memory that this thing was a great threat. If this thing was chasing him, it probably chased other people, which meant that nobody has gotten away from the thing ever, or else they didn't live long afterward to tell the tale. Mark ran out of the alleyway and into the street. The rain had been coming down hard, he knew that, but until now he didn't realize how much. The street was overflowing with water. It was even coming onto the sidewalks, a flash flood. He wasn't really surprised nobody was out, even if it was New York. With this weather, everyone else would be inside closed and locked doors, leaving him alone with. Realizing his mistake, he threw himself into the street while turning around. The figure had come to a stop about 10 feet from where he was. Then he went under the water. It was a little surprising being underwater in a city street, but at least it wasn't deep. Finding a hold in the asphalt, he pushed himself up and out of the water. Looking around, he found that the street was going uphill or downhill depending on how you look at it. This meant that there was a slight current in the water. Not enough to pull him away, but enough to make him unsteady. Mark looked around, frantic about the creature's whereabouts. In the pouring rain, he couldn't see ten feet in front of him. If the creature really wanted him, then he was about as vulnerable as he could have possibly been. Looking around, he finally spotted it about a yard away. This close, and in the rain, it looked something out of a horror movie. It stood around eight feet tall at first glance. But as he tried to find its head, it seemed to get taller, like an endless ladder. Looking closely at it, he noticed that he had originally thought was skin was actually a formal suit, completed with a tie. It was both comical and terrifying at the same time, much like a clown took an ordinary object and perverted it, twisting it into something sick. Upon even closer inspection, he realized it was far from perfect. He had large rips in the tie, and one sleeve was torn off about halfway up. He had many tears in the fabric, and was stained with several foreboding rust-colored spots. But when he finally found its face, he screamed. It wasn't that there was no face, but it was just so horrible that his mind immediately erased the image from his head every second he spent staring at it. He literally could not remember what it was, but it terrified him beyond belief. Snapping himself out of this trance, he moved to the right, narrowly avoiding a tentacle? How had he missed that? Ducking, he closely evaded decapitation from another. Remembering the current, he threw himself down the street, being swept away with the current down the hill. The entity did not follow. Floating down, unable to get a grip, Mark just tried to stay up on his butt while sliding. Looking ahead, he found to his horror that the creature was already at the bottom of the large hill. Using his feet to steer, he sped himself up towards a lamppost on the sidewalk. Reaching out, he attempted to grab it, only to find himself falling. Grabbing the edge of the sidewalk, as to not be swept in, he realized that there must be an open sewer grate below him, unseen in the water. Cursing, he tried to pull himself up. Looking to his right, he spotted the figure about 60 yards away now. Gripping the concrete, he tried to heave himself up, 
Another quick glance to the right, 20 feet away. Giving it up, Mart let go and fell into the water. After four seconds of terrifying freefall, he hit the ground. Hearing a crack and experienced extreme pain, he moved his left leg. It felt fine. Then the other. Once he moved it, he felt incredibly intense pain at the base of his thigh. That meant it was his hip. Shoot. Trying to stand up, he found he couldn't. The pain was too unbearable. He started crawling, knowing he had to get away. Dragging himself across the ground, he came to the sewer canal that carried rainwater and gunk under the street. Looking to his left, he thought he had saw light. He couldn't tell, as his vision was blurry. Funnily enough, it got cloudier. Then the sick feeling started again, along with the memories. Realizing his fate, he tried to drag himself into the canal so he could drown. Surely it would be a more peaceful death than whatever this being had in store for him. Right as his body fell in, he felt a tendril grab him by the ankle and lift him out of the water. Flipping him right side up, he hung there, looking at the creature for the first time, face to face. He was filled with unimaginable terror. Its body radiated evil, and he vomited from the sickness again and again. Then he felt two claw-like fingers lightly positioning themselves on his eyes. He tensed up, realizing what it was about to do. A woman opened her apartment room window. Looking out into the rain, she had thought she heard screams. But there was silence in the rain now. There was no point in looking outside anyways. There was nothing to see. She thought about her mother, and the familiar sadness washed over her. She turned away from the window, sitting down by the lamp. She began to read a book. Looking up slightly, she was startled to think she had briefly seen the faint outline of a man outside her window. That was impossible. Her room was on the fifth floor of the building. She laughed at her absurd thought. Then she saw the other shadow standing next to her own. That was a good story. I I think so, too. I mean, there were a couple of spelling errors in it, but in general, I really enjoyed it. I liked um, like, um, the part where like they actually had the character Mark face-to-face with Slenderman because the description of his face and how it was the most horrible thing that your brain kept resetting, that is the true tale of terror. And the fact that you can't even see him without having this feeling of dizziness and just blurriness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even in other stories that I've read as well involving other creepypastas, all the characters feel dizzy. They can't stand up. Like, they get so nauseous. So I do like that they incorporate that with that character. It's a good, it's a very important part of Slenderman is his ability to do those things. Yeah. People. It's kind of like him getting them in a trance so that he can take them without them struggling. Yeah. It's like you're frozen in place, numb, just like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Why can't I move? Kind of like even if it goes like the fear of being frozen in place, being numb, like right before any kind of procedure, like you're sitting there like, oh, my God. Another thing is it's interesting that they didn't include the pages. And I wonder if the pages is just another kind of side story about Slenderman, because in the games, there's these specific mom pages you're supposed to collect and he's supposed to get you for trying to collect those pages. So I wonder if there's another story about Slenderman that incorporates the importance of those. Maybe. This is just like one of a side story. This is not like the actual origin story of the character. That one was created by a guy named Eric, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So this is just like a side story of just what the character 
does and how it collects its victims. Kind of wonder how Mark encountered this creature and what he did to catch Slenderman's attention. Yeah, especially since it's in like New York, because uh, he said it was yes. in New York and it wasn't really like, but even in heavy rain, you'd still find people out there. Yes. So I definitely like the uh, method of isolation that he goes mm-hmm. through because that makes it even more terrifying. Because usually he's seen in the woods. Yeah, it's woody areas. By I, cabin. And- cabins, it can be in like suburb areas. So it's this is definitely new sort of interest. I kind of like it. Like just maybe even in the story, there are people around, but he is being perceived like there's another separate reality that Slender Man is in like making him see where there's no one around. And I also like the little, like the old lady at the end. The old lady, yeah. Yeah. It's just the realization of him going to his next victim, which I wonder what he did to him. Did he eat him? Did he take his eyes? Uh, By just him, his fingers coming up to his eyes? Maybe, because I know that, again, with the whole proxy situation, that it kind of goes into, like, maybe he made him, like, a slave, like a brain-dead slave that would help him sort of lure other victims. Because it's kind of hard to lure victims if you're something super-duper scary. Like, if people see something as normal, like, oh, hey, you, what are you doing? Then they lead him off. Then it kind of... And now he's just an eight fall, eight foot tall, white, really pale white guy with a tuxedo and no face. I like the tuxedo part of that. I I literally like that. Wonder why he wears a tuxedo. Yeah, I would definitely like to find out more on why he wears a tuxedo and his complete origin. Like, what did he just come out as that? Or like, was he a demon, or did an experiment go wrong, and maybe he was a businessman and something fell on him, and then whoa, oh no, oh goodness. No, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, no, that was a good story. I really enjoyed that. I I really did too. Again, I love horror stories, but like this was just because Slenderman is such an icon, especially how it tied into the Slenderman murders here in Wausau. Like that was a really interesting case. Like very interesting. I'm Katie. And this is Bria. And thank you for listening to the preview of the first episode of Sunday Night Unknowns. Want to hear more of this creepy tale? Go on Spotify to hear the rest. This is WUEC 89.7 Blue Gold Radio Sunday. That again, WUEC 89.7 Blue Gold Radio Sunday. Okay, so on to the actual case of the Slenderman stabbings that involved... Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire, I think is how you pronounce their names. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but the kind of um, going into a little bit of the, before we get into that, there actually were uh, reportings of Slenderman. Like people, I guess, saw him or like thought he was real. And they would say that he was often seen with a big group of children. Like, I guess maybe around the ages of five to six years old. And he would drift rather than walk, which I kind of find interesting. wonder how he's drifting. Yeah, maybe it's telekinesis or some other supernatural power. I mean, that could be. And he also psychologically tortured his victims, which we did read about in the story. Like the way his face, I guess, changed according to Mark and how it just kept in his, more so mentoring his brain and memories. And yeah, trauma and bad things that happened in his life. Yeah, so that definitely lines up with what's going on. And apparently, again with his M.O. seen in the woods a lot. So that's probably why these quote-unquote reportings were never really taken seriously because, like, you probably saw something out there that wasn't actually an eight-foot-tall man. 
probably a tree or some wacky wildlife. Maybe, yeah. But on to the case. Uh, I got all these details from OrphanDaily.com. In 2014, Morgan and Anais lured their supposed best friend Peyton into the woods and stabbed her 19 times. All of the girls were about 12 years old, so they're pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, so very, very young age to be influenced by social media at the time. So it was 2014. Mm-hmm. YouTube was kind of out there. Internet access would definitely influence these girls to that. But they did believe it was real. Like, they were so, like, in-depth and really, really believed that this was true. This is real. And that's what they used in court as their testimonies, as we really did believe that this was real. Kind of going on into what they did, they actually were actually having a birthday party for, I think it was Megan was having the birth, or not Megan, Morgan was having the birthday party. And they told their mom that they were just going to go out and they lured her out there. Like there are even pictures from the case of a list that the girls made that they needed in order to please Slenderman. Like, they left her in the woods after stabbing them, from what I got off of the website. Um, if it wasn't for a biker, actually, that was riding along the trail and seeing her crawling out for help, he, I think she'd be dead by now. She would have yeah. just been found in the woods. So it was it was good that the biker found her. It's really fortunate that she survived such a traumatic and terrible event. Yeah, especially since it was her best friends that did that to her. Like. Mm-hmm. That alone is traumatizing enough. Like, but then finding out, like, realizing it's your best friends. Yeah. But they were diagnosed with schizophrenia and another psychological disorder? Yes, psychotic spectrum disorder. Okay, yeah. Or psychosis spectrum disorder, not psychotic, psychosis. Yeah. Yeah. So there was something mental going on. It just wasn't. There was an explanation, but they got the consequences of their actions. Yes. Um... And they actually were found roaming a forest claiming to find Slenderman after they were reported missing from their mom. Because I guess they didn't come back at all that day. And the girl was found. And in the hospital, they're like, where are the other two? Where's Alyssa and where's where's Morgan? So they tried to find them. And they were found in a woods looking for Slenderman. Yikes. Yeah. But um, Anais received 25 years in a mental facility as she pleaded guilty for being an accomplice to Mm -hmm. attempted murder. And should be released in about 2042. So that's coming up in the next 20 years or so. Wacky. Yeah. And then, yeah, I wonder, I hope they're doing okay, though. Yeah. Because especially the the Internet's a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. It's very manipulative. And I hope they're getting the care that they need in order to help cope with their uh, medical conditions, neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. And I hope Peyton's doing okay, too. Like, just being the victim of that is sounds horrible. I do hope she, that she's doing okay. And then though. the whole news about it and people constantly asking her. Yeah, like, oh, my happened. God. Like, I, can, I, I can't even imagine, like, going in public every day and, be, and having someone be like, oh, my goodness, you're the girl that got stabbed in the woods. Like, oh, my God, how was it? And, like, trying to question her. Like, yeah. that must have been really mm-hmm. difficult. I hope she's doing okay, though. Me, too. But, yeah. Uh, Megan, or not Megan. I keep saying Megan. Morgan was actually actually can uh, confess to, um, what was it uh, for attempted first degree intentional homicide? So she received four years in the mental institution. So sh- it says that she should be released in about twenty fifty seven as well, the year date. Forty or four? 
2057 is when she'll be released. I mean, she She got 40 years. Okay, I heard four. Yeah, she got 40 years. I was going to say, why did the person who was the whole mastermind of this get four years in a mental (laughs) hospital? Yeah, but no, I'm glad that they're at least getting help rather than Mm -hmm. just sitting in a prison. Because that wouldn't help the situation at all. And plus, they were under the age of 18 and heavily influenced, I'm assuming, by the stories that they heard. Medias and stuff, because I know it was really booming during that time, during the early 2000s. Yeah, like 2015, 2016 was around the time that creepypasta was popular. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember the whole uh, section with, like, Jeff the Killer and Eyeless Jack and all of those. Like Toby. Ah, yes. All of those wonderful people that... We will eventually cover here on mm-hmm. Sunday Night Unknowns. But um, what really surprised me when I found out was this actually took place in Wisconsin. I know. It's so weird to have it close to us in our own state for yeah. such a wild event to happen. Yeah, because like, usually you hear about these things happening like in Washington or California or Texas. Or but, Florida. Yeah, like, but now it's like in Wisconsin that kind of like brings... A whole new level of oh my goodness that just happened yeah like and i i wasn't even like like, i guess i heard of the case back then i mean we were what like fifth grade about that or like six yeah fifth fifth or sixth grade is when that would have happened well at least when we were fifth or sixth grade for us Mm -hmm. not sure about anybody else but that's kind of what would happen so i guess i heard about it or caught wind of it but never really knew what it was yeah so hearing about it now i if I found out what, what that was when I was little, I probably would have been like, um, um, <laughs> scary people in the woods, scary people. But yeah, I actually do find that both the character and how big of an influence it's had on social media and young minds to be very interesting, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the psychological aspects of it. Thank you for listening to Sunday Night Unknowns on WUEC 89.7 for Blue Gold Radio Sunday. This is Katie. And this is Riella. And next week is going to be Orphan and Orphan's First Kill, a horror movie about, which we won't tell. We'll explain next episode, but I know it's been booming a lot. Definitely. Especially about Orphan's First Kill because it has a twist that nobody expected. Indeed. It is a psychological horror that we hope you Tune in next week to see. Thank you very much. You guys have a fantastic and creep-tastic day.